Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition. 11.10 a.m. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> welcome to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tugginet, Parax, Planet Paranormal, and Astronet, and Steve-O-Net. And... Remember that one you made, made funny in the... Uh the uh, presentation you did. Anyways, I'm Ron Kolick, and with me, unfortunately, is the gold standard in ghost hunting, Steve Parsons. So there you go. Anyway, Steve has been here, and uh, he's been doing a series of events and uh, going on a bunch of adventures with me, and unfortunately, he uh, has laryngitis, so he won't be able to speak with us tonight, but luckily, I was able to Go with him so I can tell you his thoughts and and um, information. And, of course, his his most important stuff, the, the, the thing that's really, really, really on his mind, of course, is the haunted iguana. And uh, he wants to take that thing home so bad, um, the haunted iguana heals. But, uh, unfortunately... Oh, look at that. The haunted... Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, he's back. I've given it away now. No. He's back. Yeah. Do you know that? Twice, twice we've mentioned the haunted iguana. Twice the microphone was fed back. So is that a coincidence? Yeah. Or could it be city? Or could it be paranormal? Paranormal or BS? I don't know. Oh! Another paranormal incident. It could just be that the speaker is too close to the microphone. That could happen. Well, you're the producer. You should know this stuff. No, uh, Karina's the producer. Lovely Karina. So, anyways, you were the producer. You are you are here in the U.S. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, It's the cute and cuddly gold standard. The column, the standard. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, you've been here, and we've had some cool adventures, and and we talked about it on some of the other radio radio shows, but. There are a couple of ones we haven't talked about, and one, of course, was the Crypto Museum. Well, we couldn't have talked about it because we only just had it. Yeah, we could have talked about it. The Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, Oregon. Right. That we went up to, a uh, little drive up the up the coast. Mm-hmm. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, wasn't Oregon, was it? Um, run by Lauren Cohen, and uh, he is a renowned cryptozoologist. Who? <laughs> Lauren Cohen. He's haunted as well. <laughs> Lauren Cohen. Lauren Cohen. And this, no. I mean, he's been all over the world. He's hunted Sasquatch, Monster, and Pupwudgies, and uh, Gremlins, and Chupacabra, and Mermaids, and Merman, and... Is that the edible <laughs> Does that mean that we're off air? Uh, this is really interesting. That was so. Oh, I don't know what's happening. 
Oh, we're still... Ooh, did you hear that? I heard a voice. How come we just disconnected from Skype then? Oh, we actually connected. So, was that paranormal, Karina? Ooh. Really? Oh, I know what's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can figure it out. Ron just runs other computer, just joined Skype. Anyway, yes, yeah, so we went uh, up to up to Portland. Uh, was it Sunday? Yes. And because uh, the museum's only open for like five minutes a week. Um, right, and if you and come during and, and the last. Oh. Part of the mission is you've got to find it because it's it's behind a chicken shack um, restaurant. But it's good, good you chicken. Have to walk through good chicken, but you have Crypto to walk, chicken. You have to walk through this chicken shack restaurant down the back corridor past the restrooms, and there it is. And before you're allowed in, you have to watch a video that says, "Don't touch, take pictures. If you take pictures that are too close, I'll sue you." Um, but no, seriously, it's a really cool museum um, with. Uh, Coleman? Or Coleman? Coleman. Coleman. Lauren Coleman, yep. Okay. okay. Just thought I'd... Okay. Because I don't want him to sue us because we mispronounced his name. And you can do a selfie with the Sasquatch. That was cool. Whoa. Uh, no. Look at this. We're in a... Wow. Let's say it's not just thrown together, this show, is it? No, we, we devoted a lot of yeah. time. Something... Every time we speak, we get feedback. No, we don't. I can hear it. No, only when I speak. No, I can hear it when I... Look, see? There's something not right. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have a technical issue. It's that bloody iguana. Can we get rid of the iguana? Get rid of the iguana? Yeah. No. Okay, now try it. One, two, three, four. See? There we are. So okay. it wasn't the one. Anyway, yeah, so International Cryptozoology Museum, Portland, Oregon, uh, last Sunday. Portland, um, Maine. Yeah. Same same place. Mm-hmm. to America. So yeah, there were kind of some cool stuff in there, right? Yeah, I was just I've just given a list of it. There was yeah. Sasquatch Yeti, um, there was uh, footprints, there was um, The Merman. The the Merman they But you got stuff really cool. You actually went in the gift shop and, and Yeah, you and, missed that completely because one of our one of our big uh, heroes is Edison and um, right. there was a copy of Fate magazine. There was a copy of Fate magazine that was uh, signed by Lauren. Um, in, and the front cover was, which you have a poster of somewhere, of a Sasquatch in a, in a mini dress. I do. Uh, and an article by Lauren in it, but also um, five bucks from 2000. Um, but also was uh, an article about um, Edison and mm-hmm. the ghost voices. Oh, that was pretty interesting. Did you re- actually read that article? No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, the, the whole museum, I mean, it's smart. Big, but I mean, it had some interesting it's things. Like the UK. In it. It's small but beautifully marked. Yeah, it was beautifully marked. But it, you know, it, it was interesting in the facts that they had, you know, some really unique things. I didn't mention my name, jack-o-lope. which I was a little disappointed. They were, yes, they had a real jackal lantern. Jackalope. 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 Yeah, a rabbit with horns. So, what's the story in that? Do you know? It's on my Facebook page. Google it quick on the other computer. I can't. Uh, <laughs> but it's called Jackalope, and it's, a, it's one of those a horny mythical, rabbit. It's one of those mythical creatures, a horny uh, rabbit that I would know more about. Um, but I'm I'm here and I'm somewhat confused and time zoned out, and mm-hmm. you're nearer Google than me. So yeah, they had the Jackalope, and um, but there was a section at the start of the thing which which was set up as 
things that are faked, and that included a gremlin from the movie Gremlins. Oh. And a jackalope. And, a and the creature from the Black Lagoon. And, and those little tiny chupacabras. Fake. Uh, they were in that section. The other thing that was really cool was the, um, the, the little finger puppets in the gift shop. Handmade. I don't know why you didn't buy one. That was kind of like disappointing. Uh, I couldn't decide. Because we could have got a lot of mileage out of that. I couldn't. De- yeah, oh, it was five bucks. I couldn't decide between the uh, Chupacabra and the Mothman. I know, it's a tough choice. It, it was a real difficult choice for a felt finger puppet. Yeah. Um, so all in all, it took us like three hours to get there, and we were able to spend minutes, about yeah, 15, 15 minutes. minutes in there, and uh, then yeah. we had to take another three. Yeah. I had to listen to him moan all the way, so that was pretty There's like a weird time slip going on in your 50 minutes to get there. We were there for an hour, and it took us 50 minutes to get back. But there was, there was a weird time slip going on in your head that day. Mm. I've even got a question. Ethical animal and a cross between a jack rabbit and an antelope, goat, or deer. There we are. There you go. In, Thank in, you, uh, Nathan. In this case, it was between a jack rabbit and a, and a thing deer. of horns. Deer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was the there was the stuffed jack. I'm telling you, it was a horny and, rabbit. And there was a jackalope skeleton yeah. behind it. So that was pretty amazing. That was a good adventure. How did you cross the jackalope though with it? It would eat itself. Anyways, uh, we've also had another adventure as well. That was a really interesting. I can't believe you let me out of the dungeon twice. Yeah. So the grating let me out into the sunlight. Yesterday we traveled to uh, Quincy, Mass, aboard the U.S. heavy cruiser Salem. That's right. So that was that was interesting. Where they're setting up for uh, it's a setting up as a Halloween haunted house attraction called the Ghost Ship. Yeah, and um, we saw the we saw the setup. We weren't allowed to uh, to sounds like there's a jackalope. No, it's a chikarava. El Chu. There's um, but what we did see of the um, haunted house attraction, the ghost ship set up there by a company from Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. It did look pretty cool. Um, yeah. lots of zombies, lots of being installed. And um, I know I know Anne was quite keen that she, yeah, she, she wanted to go back, back to Halloween. Yeah, that was very very cool. We met uh, and, and yeah, we met um, Sam Blair Yatabamus. Yeah, um, and he told us uh, some some cool stuff about the ship itself. About it. and then J- there was Jerry who'd worked on the ship as a volunteer for like ten years. For ten years, um, and he he gave us a bit of a walk around the ship. Actually, he was really helpful. Uh, that's not the first time I've been on this ship. We were on that uh, a few years back, uh, it, before it began to be open for paranormal to you know uh, investigations and stuff. So were you there conducting an investigation? No, no. Touristy. Checking it out. No, not touristy. We were. Uh, they had an open house. They weren't opening up to uh, paranormal investigation. Ship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you could rent out the ship and they would have their own teams that would guide you and stuff. So they had an open house there. And, and we went there, uh, I think it was myself and Ron Jr. and Clay. And uh, we went through the ship and they didn't want us to go to, evidently. So finally they gave up and just took us anywhere we wanted to go, which was kind of cool. The, we, the brig. The what? The brig. Uh, yeah, we went to the brig as well, but the CNC was really cool because it still had the last plotting of the fleet 
um, before it was de decommissioned. So it's I was cool. surprised looking at the list of the captains as, because it it did, it wasn't actually in service for very long. I was surprised by that. It wasn't the flagship of the fleet. The, the, the list of captains ran from 53 to 59. Mm -hmm. So it was actually must have only been operational for quite a short time before it was moved into uh, presumably other Mark duties. Balls. Because it, it, it eventually came up to um, Massachusetts in 1994. There was a big picture of it, so, uh, USS Salem returning home. Yeah, so special. So, um, it, I mean, it is a very, very big it is a cool ship, too. Ship, mm. uh, a heavy cruiser. Um, I, it's interesting to compare it to the only other US warship I've ever been on, which was the USS Alabama, which was a battleship. A battleship, much bigger. Um, which, in. in Scale. The only real difference seemed to be that the battleship had much bigger guns for an after. Bigger armour too. The armour was heavier on a battleship. So, and of course, while we were there, there was some uh, stuff took place yesterday. Um, there was some what? Some stuff took place. Some um, strange things. Oh, they said place. stuffed up place. Like stuffed up place. Yeah. There was a stuffed up place, which is little flat fish. Mm. Um, while you were doing your first interview with Sam, a drape. Fell, dropped, de-draped, undraped itself. Yeah, that's amazing. It was. Uh, Sam did suggest that it was unusual. Yeah. And then, uh, then we all heard a woman scream, which of course, it, the there is a connection between women and the the vessel, isn't it? Which is unusual for a, for a naval vessel. Really, there was a story attached to uh, USS Salem. There is. Um. It, the Greek story. Oh, yeah, the Greek, uh, yeah. whatever. But you can it was. relate because I'm going to have a drink. I'm not really going to relate to it. It's just some. They, they, they were in Our some kind of. now dying to listen. They were in some. Well, well they can watch the uh, Next Generation video and my broadcast of it. So when we go through all the interviews and everything else, so you can hear much more in much more detail all about the USS Salem and, and our, our adventure there. You don't watch television in the international. Yeah, but you can listen to it as well. So that is really cool. So, anyways, but uh, yeah, I was involved in some type of uh, aid program in Greece, and women had babies on board. So that's pretty much it. Uh, anyway, it was a fun time, and we. But more importantly, and I think the highlight of that day, of course, was going to the original Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, forget the ghosts. On the way, about half a mile before we got to the uh, Salem. Um, so I guess we were probably still in Quincy. I'm guessing. Uh, eight Google. Location for the uh, for the first DD 1950. Just before we got to USS Salem, so it probably was Quincy. Um, we saw an old DD sign, and beneath it, it actually said the original location um, of the first Dunkin' Donuts 1950. Mm -hmm. So we marked the location um, on the GPS with Chinese mm -hmm. pencil on the screen. Yeah, yeah Sharpie on the screen, mm -hmm. and then on our return, we we made a detour um, mm -hmm. across the car park. And got 49 cents espresso shots. Oh, yeah, yeah. And some 19, genuine 1950s service, I think. Um, well, that's paranormal. And some genuine 1950s service from the lady who worked at DD. Wasn't happy. No, she wasn't a happy bunny. So, anyway. But that was really cool because, I mean, <clears throat> these are like Dunkin' Donuts is a, is a New England uh, tradition. Yeah. Um, and. Of course, the, one of the big exports, people always assume, you know, when you talk to um, 
people who aren't American, don't live in America, the thing that you associate with American fast food chains, predominantly, of course, McDonald's, I remember the they were queues for, for 24 hours when they opened the very first McDonald's in Moscow. Moscow. Oh, yeah. You know, this exporting of culture is, and the, the fast food restaurant is part of that American. They had a little bit of problem in France, though, if I remember. Was it? Yeah. Something about the French fries, I don't know. No idea. No either. idea. No, I heard something. I know when in Mississippi, the, the only McDonald's they only got to build half the arch. Half the arch, yeah. 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 It was half arch. But it is, I mean, <clears throat> you probably, I mean, I know you thought it was cool, but it is something that America um, is is yeah, American culture that is exported to the world, mm-hmm. which is the fast food culture. You know, it's what European um, or world city town you will find generally uh, one of the colas, McDonald's. Um, yeah. yeah, but only where there's oil. Huh? Well, America brings peace wherever there's oil, doesn't it? Yeah, we do. <laughs> so that's oh, you go. The that. original dunk is Quincy, yeah. So we were Thank right. you, Nate. Thanks, Nate. So, anyways, yeah. Hi, was, John. That was good. That was quite, quite <coughs> enjoyable. Um, you know, we also did completed Spirit Quest, which was fun again this year, Spirits and Angels and Demons. Uh, and we already planned next year's. We have. Uh, we thought we'd to be honest, we planned it next year. We actually... Really? Yeah, because when the TV series aired in the UK, she immediately made the connection um, and said, that's so like you and Ron. Mm. Um, and, of course, you know, the, from, from there I, I suggested it to you, and the rest will be history. Right, so next year. Yeah. So we better be, tell them what the series was and what the idea is, I guess. Are we going to keep it? Secret? You can, you can. I like. Good job. There's uh, people love hearing your little bring English voice. Well, I think so quaint. We're going to do Conan, uh, Doyle and Houdini and um, look at the relationship between the skeptical investigator and the the believe, believer, believing spiritualist. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, um, is roles. I mean, you know, we need somebody to play the annoying American with, right. the, with that, the, uh, that would be you, of course. Eastern European descent. That would be you, of course. So, uh, because I can't think of any more person more annoying than you. Well, there we are. That's that sorted out then. <laughs> but it'll be fun because we, we, we really spent a lot of time in already and we've got it planned out and, and you hit it here. Uh-huh. <clears throat> so you, you know, just been lulled by talking that. Is that good? I don't know. Yeah. Lots of love, I think it means. Thank you, Karina. We love you too. Yeah. Lots of love. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, yeah, so that's going to be really neat. Uh, Houdini and Doyle, we, we, we spent a lot of time. Uh, you haven't lost that bit of shit, that bit of paper, have you? That sheet of paper. No, no, yeah, that, that's yeah. really important because that's the the sum total of our brainstorming. So, right, we we sat on the porch. We did sat on the porch. We and fought. fought. Blood, blood was drawn. Blood was drawn, and uh, we we've come up with the the whole. I guess the whole format. Well, we've taken that from our as our inspiration. Uh, we we we've looked at the the TV series, which was fiction. 
some of the fictional cases and, and scenarios that they investigated yeah. as a guide yeah. um, because it gives us a lot of scope and it could be a lot of fun to explore um, some of the stuff. We're going to be looking at ghosts, of course, and um, fairies. Fairies. That's going to be interesting. Um, and all of the other cool stuff that the seances. Seances. Uh, raising the psychic detective. Detectives, and we're going to build a haunted, haunted house. We're not building a haunted house. We're going to build one. Yeah, whatever. We're going to build one out of um, sheetrock. Right, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And it'll be one time. I've got to tell them before the break, um, there was one idea that didn't fly, was there? Which was the long corridor of easy to turn this into a big. <laughs> I, I haven't kicked that out. Really? Yeah, it's gonna look like something out of Harry Potter world. Yeah, it might be cool. I, I have an idea. Are, of we take, gonna, are we gonna have like weird sweets and take towels it, and take magic the, uh, shops? I might even put cobblestone on the floor. Cool. It won't happen. You couldn't even get the scriptures, you know. Yeah, I know it's pretty <laughs> thing. But anyways, that's a thought. Uh, it may happen. Yeah, it may not. Fly. That didn't. You're gonna meet uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle there. You're gonna meet Harry Houdini there. Uh, who else are gonna meet there? Uh, well, we're hoping that we can resurrect uh, Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. And Nikola Tesla. And Nikola Tesla. And, of course, one of his cool, cool cars. If we can get a Tesla car up here. You think we can do that? I think Maybe they'll give it to us. It's a raffle prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. We've heard it first here on Togginet. Yeah, one about this big. But, uh, yeah, so it's going to be really neat because we're going to look at the role of all these people and their involvement in the paranormal. It gives us a, a great deal of scope. Um, and I know um, if anybody's, because I know some people have said, what's the theme for next year? Because we can get our costumes planned cheap after Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, Audion, I think, is the is the theme. There you go. How come everybody loves that together, Victorian or Indian? Well, they don't. We understand the difference in Britain because... But in America, we yeah. we tend to do that. You I tend mean, to start in 1860 and stop at World War One. Yeah, but no, there was uh, Queen Victoria, bless her, pop, uh, popped off a little earlier and left King Edward the Seventh in charge. And there is actually between uh, the Edwardian um, era, which was the transition between the austere, the, the more austere Victorian age and the more relaxed modern era that began in the 1920s um, so throughout the Edwardian period you had the emancipation of women you had the suffragette movement, votes for women in, in, in the UK um, short skirts started, you know, the, the skirt lifted up oh, how scandalous it was a huge scandal, we had um, if you went to the beach uh, to, uh, in Victorian times there were, there were some uh, resorts had an inspector uh, to make sure that uh, the ladies' costumes um, beach were proper, was not revealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of like the burker in uh, France. No. Oh, hmm. But they had police in in, in France no. dealing with the burker. Um, I don't see the connection um, well he did you were talking about they actually had somebody do an inspection that's yeah but they, they were with three the armed policemen getting uh, you well know. I mean that's what basically I was saying there that we can go all the way back to today that they're still being done with down 
the capitalist. Yeah, is the outbreak coming up? I don't know. He prays for the outbreak. <laughs> but, uh, anyway. but yeah, so I mean, you got to remember that, that re- realistically, Houdini and Doyle were were not Victorian in 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 the main sense because that they, they were both uh, reaching their prime, um, so sort of um, First World War two through the nineteen thirties. So you know, uh, this idea of Victoriana uh, mm-hmm. had long since faded. Uh, by, it did by by the time Houdini and Doyle were were on the scene. And of course, uh, both of whom, uh, Doyle and Houdini, uh, had an involvement and a relationship with Harry Price. They did? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so are we going to be resurrecting the the National Laboratory for Scientific Research, or, or psychical research? Uh, neither of them had any involvement in the NLPR. Uh, Doyle was a member of, uh, for a while, the Society for Psychical Research and also the Ghost Club. Um, back in the UK, so um, Houdini, of course, wasn't. No. But Houdini had his own range of interests in spiritualism. He's he's remembered primarily as somebody who spent his career either escaping from stuff or debunking mediums. But his his, his desire to debunk mediums really stemmed from his um, disappointment that he couldn't communicate with his mother after she passed away he he was quite determined that um he would try to communicate with her mm-hmm. and of course when he failed and when he started to recognize that some of the mediums were using the same sort of tricks that he and other uh, performers were using then he he became somewhat disillusioned and disappointed but inwardly um i don't believe he ever stopped wanting to believe um, and and he never he certainly never stopped trying to communicate with I think his mother was Belle um, tried to communicate so even in death because they had the seances well that was something that he I mean he didn't have an input into that um, but certainly throughout his life he was but even in death they attempted to communicate with the other side though, well there were there were several mediums who claimed um, to have communicated yeah um, with with Harry post death. Um, and there's there's a Mayon left. What's a Mayon? And uh, it's a minion. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's the interesting. <laughs> and, and we're going to have some mediums. I mean, like uh, in the in the mold of Marjorie and some of the other. Not mediums. mold of Marjorie. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's what you say. Well, well, I am. <laughs> really? Yes. You want Marjorie Crandon? Yeah, I want oh, some. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna, okay. have, we're gonna have naked uh, naked mediums there. She was far from just naked. Mm. Really? What was? Uh... Um, she well, we'll talk about. Really? Eight. Yeah, Marjorie has a wasn't just one for taking the clothes off. She was into all sorts of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She was very much the exhibitionist. Yes, we do. We know that. So we're excited. That'd be a good role. <laughs> Thinking of flying. Tim's. Anyways, there's the music, so we got to take a break. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here in VZ Estate in my office, actually. And we'll be right back after the fall. On Tojanet, Pararex, Astronet, Planet Paranormal, and the Ghost Box. Asperacon. Whatever. Jack.
Hey, listen, high atop of Nuns Hill in Groveland stands the Chapel of the Little Missionary Sisters of Charity in Vesey Memorial Park. This serene scene will be the location for one of the most extraordinary events ever to be held. For three days and two nights, these sacred grounds will host the realm of Dan Brown's best-selling novels, Angels and Demons, and The Da Vinci Code. As part of the event, like in the novels, you'll become a symbolologist and follow a set of clues on your own quest to find a missing relic. And there's so much more. Costume dining with the dead, a conclave, a Da Vinci ghost hunt, red light seance, workshops and presentations, a papal death mask, a replica of the Shroud of Turin, and speakers like Keith Johnson from Ghost Hunters, Steve Parsons from the UK, psychic artist Nancy Smith, and Ron Kolick from Ghost Chronicles, and many others. Go to NewEnglandGhostProject.com, that's N-E-GhostProject.com, or CirclesOfWisdom.com for more information and to purchase tickets. Or call 978-455-6678. Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Chronicles, the international edition, and you can hear Ron frantically typing what happened in the background. Anyway, with the headphones back, you can have them back now. I know where we are. And before the break, we were talking about Marjorie, um, about Marjorie, Marjorie Crandon, who was the wife of a Boston doctor. Yeah. And who was? I see. A as a medium. Uh, she also tried to sue Harry Houdini because he locked her in a wooden cabinet to stop her mm-hmm. uh, leaving only a head sticking out yeah. to stop her faking stuff. But um, the lady was a notorious exhibitionist and yeah. liked launched her words to the gentlemen who were present. And there were several occasions where she now so she can't see occasions where. There was there were certain dalliances suggested group group dalliances. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with between herself and some of those who were sent to investigate her. See that that's you know a lot of people don't serious researchers like uh, you know Harry Houdini and and as far as and also uh, Thomas Glenn and Hamlin I mean and, and there are many many others sure the the mediums were often and were searched before they could participate in the uh, the seances oh absolutely and that that went uh, uh, given special clothing to where they weren't uh, very fair. There was mm-hmm. a couple that performed naked. Um, Marjorie did, but the, in the in the majority of them, they would uh, they were given like silk pajamas or or, mm-hmm. or a one piece something or other to wear after they had been. But you know, they they usually the um, investigator got a female colleague to do it yeah. to to conduct the, right. the the search. They were obviously looking for third nipples and you know, familiars and. <laughs> Um, what have you but certainly in the case of for example uh, the searches were quite other mediums had in fact used um, some quite intimate places to hide stuff that they produced yeah, during somewhat the intimate is a good, good description and, um, and so some of the searches had to take that into consideration mm-hmm. but you do have instances where for example Helen Duncan the, the British medium mm-hmm. um, that always the story always goes that she was the last medium ever prosecuted as a or um, trialed as a witch in the UK in 1944. Really? Um, she never was because she was she was tried under an act, act um, for fortune telling, but mm. the witchcraft part stuck in the headline. I better not go to UK. The headline I, I was like better. Be in trouble. The headline was better, so mm. it was always said she was the last witch. But she was um, she was taken to court, and in fact Harry Price testified that she was. Thing, um, that she she was swallowing quantities of um, gauze, gauze, mm. and then regurgitating. Interesting. And stuff. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle opposed uh, because he was a firm believer in in Duncan. Mm-hmm. Um, but Price was an expert, was brought as an expert witness, and Sir Arthur wrote several stern letters to. Uh, I think the, the newspapers and also to Price at the time, saying that you know you sir are a or um, a cad. You know, uh, they're actually very bad words. You can't call some in, in 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 our houses of parliament. I don't think you're not allowed to call somebody a cad or a bounder. Really, they are considered to be the highest form of insult in the British um, houses of parliament. Hmm. Sort of, you know, I know it's that an asshole or whatever else, but you can't call them a cad or a bounder. Now, uh, Harry Price worked with a lot of mediums. Mm-hmm. Well, not a lot, but he worked, had some... Well, he worked with a lot. Yeah, with mediums. And mm-hmm. he developed certain things to kind of uh, keep them... Drive a little bit well, of a I think he, one of the most um, intricate pieces of equipment involved uh, the use of chainmail slippers and chainmail gloves. Mm-hmm. That the me everybody within the uh, sound circle group would would wear, and they were all linked together by cable. And there was an indicator board placed on the uh, wall of the labor- the sound room laboratory room. Person had let go, or where the circuit had broken, and so he could see at a at a glance if the medium had wriggled free or 
doing these seances. Um, he, he went to very elaborate means. One of the devices that we looked at in the past, I mean, Spirit Quest, the very first one I came over, which we looked at some of Harry Price's stuff then, um, involved a piece of equipment called the telekinetoscope, mm-hmm. um, by which mechanism Harry not only designed it, he also built it because he was an engineer. But by the mechanism was that the medium... Um, or the spirits via the medium would light the bulb, uh, you know, in a simple circuit between a battery, a switch, and a bulb. Mm-hmm. Um, the bulb, the switch, the, the means to operate the uh, the bulb, was underneath a glass dome, um, and it's inaccessible. The dome was sealed down tight. But even even cleverer than that, um, underneath the glass dome and directly above the switch was a, a soap bubble, that you know was the final means of protection um, if the bubble had been and during tests with the medium Stella Crenshaw the bulb did indeed light oh that's interesting um, so Price also developed a series of tables um, which right. is... that's one of the things I was going to talk to you about was and I think we've discussed this in the past about the cage they built under the yeah. cornea implant <clears throat> one right it was beneath it that had been used previous um, by others uh, testing mediums well what price did was he he had designed and built he didn't build this he, he it was uh, sent out to a furniture maker um but the the edge of this was so the central section that lifted out to access the cage that it couldn't be lifted um by any other mechanism and objects placed inside it musical instruments or rattles or accordions could not be reached because um, it was sealed into, into this case and now that table got smashed to matchwood during the seance really uh, which is recorded in harry by what the medium uh, by the spirits by the spirits activity and this is reported by harry it's in it's been documented in his books um also he came up with a device that allowed them to um, see ectoplasm um, by projecting a red light underneath the table onto a onto a screen that or protrusion protrusion from the medium mm-hmm. it would be um, so it was some type of photo cell uh, no it was it, it, a mechanism to record um, it was simply then somebody would watch the screen um, and, it, and if the screen was broken. Um, well, if, if they would see anything that crossed the between the, the light and the the, uh, the screen itself, and Eric, the researcher Eric Dingle um, did indeed report that he had seen ectoplasmic protuberances, protuberances <clears throat> during seances. So, how Price Price was a was a notorious debunker of mediums, um, but he also, when necessary, would stand up and and declare that they uh, genuine. Genuine, you know, if. If he thought that they had surpassed his testing, so what was Harry <laughs> and Dini? Yes, uh, they were both in a way. They were, but. Houdini, I think Rich summed it up. Houdini was never he he, he saw an opportunity to make money. Um, he was exploiting the ex the the um, exposure of mediums as a stage act. Right, it became part of it. Yeah, in fact, that, that was his that was his <coughs> next selling point. He didn't do still did do the escapes, but of course you can only do the same thing for so for such a time. And Rich was uh, was saying this. Um, 
Rich Lavin. Yeah, um, who is um, a, a student, I guess, of Houdini. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and he was saying, he was saying quite clearly that Houdini recognised that there was a money-making opportunity to incorporate the exposure of mediums into his stage act, but he never really himself he, mediums, not as um, a for research, but also. Um, in order to uh, commu- try to communicate with Bell. So, in your research as parascience research, have you done any research with mediums? No, um, and I make it quite clear in Which ghostology. Book? There's two of them. Yeah, in ghostology, mm-hmm. um, that the testing of mediums has no place in ghost research. Really? Because I find that intriguing. Whether to investigate somebody's experience. We are not there to test or trick the medium, and I there's a, the, I, I go to quite some lengths in one of the chapters to say that we 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 have to work with mediums. We have to take care of how we treat mediums in terms of what they tell us, but we're not there to tr- the role of a of a ghost investigator. Mm-hmm. Um, people who want to test mediums, um, you know, they they have their parapsychologists um, or skeptics. Um, mm-hmm. it's not the role of a ghost investigator it oh, really shouldn't be um, because they they may be a potential avenue for, for uh, of interest they may be able to provide an investigator but as a paranormal investigator I think it does fit into that realm um, I think investigators would lack the expertise to take on um, and challenge a medium Mm -hmm. I have seen in fact one of the instructions I've always given to members of my own team is that under you know if you try to take take on a medium then you are ultimately going to lose because um, they will run rings around you it's not an area for ghost investigators or paranormal researchers because you are dealing with people to, to do readings, whether, you know, it requires a high level of psychology. You know, these people, whether they are intuitive, psychologi- good psychologists, sociologists, whether they have practiced the skills and arts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you watch somebody doing a cold reading, a good cold reading, um, and we've seen some pretty bad ones. But yes, we have. When, you, we? When, <laughs> when you see a good cold reader in action, mm-hmm. um, you you realize who is an excellent psychologist, an excellent observer of people and very capable of picking up very subtle things and head to head with somebody whose only credential is I've got a K2 meter, I'm a ghost hunter therefore I'm on the medium, they are ultimately going to lose. Right, because I'm a scientist because I have a K2 yeah, meter. That doesn't mean that you can take on a medium. Um, it takes a very, you know, um, and why would you want to? Because just because somebody is a medium doesn't mean that um, they are your enemy. Psychical research has got a long history of working hand in hand with mediums. Yeah, but the, uh, you know, uh, Rees on the show, right? Mm-hmm. 
And and I brought that point up where the, 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 everybody seems to have this distinction between like mediums and paranormal. I mean, they don't consider themselves paranormal, which is ridiculous, but like it's a dirty word or something. And the, the other way around, uh, paranormal investigators, if if they hear the word medium, they think it's like a dirty word as well. It's but it's it's not really. It's actually intertwined in a in a lot of ways because it's not something that is normal uh it's something that we should need to explore and paranormal investigator yeah but the the <clears throat> there is one thing that has changed it's a good thing you're going you know yeah. that <laughs> the one, there is one thing that has changed and that is the um mediums becoming involved in ghost Investigations. This is true. That's a very recent phenomenon. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions, and I've talked about it in ghostology. There is there's one or two instances. There was a spiritualist church in Lancashire in the nineties. I was going to ask you, when was the? Do you any any idea when the first mm-hmm. medium was used in for paranormal investigation? Well, I mean, a group went out on ghost on a ghost hunt in Lancashire in the nineteen twenties, and they actually declared that it was tricks of the light. It wasn't really? ghosts. Um, Lloyd Auerbach, um, parapsychologist, American yeah. parapsychologist, and he, he took um, investi- um, um, out into haunted locations, as did Gertrude Schmeidler, another parapsychologist. But it was. Hans Holzer did with. Uh, Holzer did as well. With, um, uh, relatively uncommon for a medium to be seen in a haunted house. It wasn't unknown, but it was very uncommon. That changed really, really with most haunted because you can't. They they needed something to happen week on week on with the show, mm-hmm. and so they brought in uh, Derek. Right. Or they if you looked at the ghost hunters, they never used mediums when they first started. <clears throat> um, they needed something, you know, to. Uh, the, the ghost investigation, the equipment can't provide mm-hmm. if it wasn't detecting the ghost, but the psychic can say, you know, what they're what they're feeling. Now, <clears throat> I might be being a little cynical. Thereafter, it became quite common to see resident psychic. I love or, that word, resident yeah, psychic. Yes, resident. we have a resident. You never see a resident psychic. skeptic. No, yeah, they do. I've never seen a group with a resident skeptic. Oh, yeah, there are some groups groups that actually advertise themselves as that. No, we no. have a resident skeptic. Oh, that's a new and, one. I must admit, I've never come across that. But oh, really? Oh, I have to find certainly one. Not, for you. Certainly, I've not come across yeah. one in the UK um, where they promote a resident skeptic. Yeah, but you have this relative of it's telling you you don't have the latest version of office oh, that's a shame. <laughs> where mediums are either intricately involved in the investigation process investigation process and i have to question why because you know mediums intrinsically know that there that the, the, we survive death and that we can communicate with the dead and mediums have always been doing that it is part of their belief system and yet all of a sudden they're looking for ghosts mm-hmm Expressing surprise. I've seen mediums jumping and expressing surprise when there's a ghost there, when mm. they should already, you know, it's like it's like a fisherman being surprised there's a fish in the lake. Yeah, I have to <laughs> admit, when I first started uh, doing paranormal investigating years and years ago, and uh, also when, well, I had spirituals come to the events, and that always intrigued me. It's like I would ask them, I said, well, why are you here? And they said, for the experience, mm-hmm. to understand what uh, a haunting is about. I think for me personally, listening to mediums explaining, when I've asked them, you know, why, why do they ghost hunt or what's the, you get a lot of BS in 
well, although I'm psychic, I want to be scientific. And I want to be, you know, the amount of the amount of mediums who claim to be scientific. Um, yeah, ultimately, I think they're doing it for ego. I think there's money involved. Um, you see, it, I think if you go, if you are intrinsic believer, you mm-hmm. believe in, you are there to seek proof of your idea that you know there's something out there. If you are skeptical, you're going along to debunk. In, find evidence that, that it's all just flim and flim flam. When a medium goes on the investigation, invariably they're there to promote themselves and sell and give you cards and sell you tickets. I, I, I kind of disagree with you on that. I think. All right, just well, I'm about the UK. In my own experiences, yeah. Yeah. mediums tend to be far more self-serving in terms of um, in the UK. They, they tend in to terms be. of their outcomes generally. I mean, they're, they're not there to look for the dead. I mean, I'm, I know they're going to shout at me now, but I'm a great advocate of working with mediums. It's just that I wonder sometimes whether you know what motivates them. Right. Well, what motivates anybody who does paranormal investigating or ghost hunting? Well, in a lot of cases, it's ego. It, <laughs> That's common, not just for mediums. I mean, it's it's, it's very. I think it's you know it's it, it all the that label on mediums alone because there are so many paranormal investigators well, that no, do it just for the exact put, same reason. On, yeah, I was putting on inve- investigators. Um, you see a whole range of different. It gives people something to do. They people love right. to um, go out as a group, a common bonding to do something. That's why we have so many fleeces and team uniforms and team colours and. You know, team people love to be part of a team, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's kind of replaced um, other social activities like going out on a Saturday night and eating a bag of popcorn and watching The Exorcist. For yourself, it's not a bad thing, but when people, you know, within within the paranormal community, there are very good people who are determined to try to find something that something is mm-hmm. but they're misled because they they don't have the resources that they need academic science parapsychology has basically kicked them off into the long grass and starved them with resources it's it's completely disengaged with them and i've said this to the society for psychical research at the conference that they need to re-engage with the amateurs um and these these dedicated individuals and give them the resources they need to undertake their investigations. But because the investigators also, you know, need to dig deeper to find the information. It, it's not all on Facebook. It's not. And just because you see a, you know, a crazy piece of equipment being used on television and it's got more colored lights than last year's crazy piece of equipment. It makes noise. And it makes cool noises. It doesn't mean it's any good. You know, do the research and understand the difference between science and playing with bits of technology. Mm-hmm. And and it's still because it's so, not known now. I mean, it's still it's still <clears throat> just because you use a piece of equipment it doesn't make you a scientist or it doesn't make it a scientific uh, investigation. But people equate that. Yeah, they they assume that if it's got batteries in it, it's science. Any great breakthroughs I, I, in the haunted houses, which is the area of my my is going to come from a paranormal investigator who is not allied to a university. Um, but are there any? 
back to university. But will only come, but will come when the investigators up their game and start to produce, uh, undertake the measurements in a in a more scientifically acceptable manner, um, and present the data in a in a more acceptable manner you can't just stick it on facebook and youtube claim that that is astounding evidence of the paranormal Mm -hmm. and you can't put a ring on it um you know it's not the way it works um the recognition that your evidence might um deserve because sometimes you see good quality potentially good quality um data captures being, Mm -hmm. being flung away because it's been mishandled afterwards. Standards for measuring temperature, there are standards for measuring sound, there are standards for measuring and handling everything. It's a, that's what, you know, that's how we get to understand the world around us by measuring it and understanding it properly, not sticking it on Facebook and YouTube and then claiming it's the world's scariest ghost caught on duct tape. Yes with you there that uh, you know in fact that was the kind of the theme of your talk uh, at the uh, dining with the dead ghost cult on team so uh, that was interesting anyways um, but yeah I mean it's a whole different ball game with with people going out and investigating they go out for so many different reasons and you know, and, and they buy this equipment, and you know, it's it's turned out to be a little uh, business for some people. And uh, you know, Flair has been, has been making a little bit of money on them as well. And people buy the Flair uh, cameras and stuff, and, and and they think, okay, I own Flair, therefore I'm really doing scientific stuff. And and they really don't even understand what they're doing in reality. Well, you, you've undertaken the course that, that Flair operated, right. organized that, And it makes, I mean, the thing that, that's clear about that is that it, you're not dealing with a camera in the conventional sense. You are dealing with something that's not showing you a picture. It's showing you a visual representation of heat. Right. And you, you are given it in a familiar format that you understand you're seeing a picture. Mm-hmm. Most people then, because they have maybe not done the course, treat it as a picture. Exactly. And they will see something unusual. And said, oh, look, there's a heat showing up. Yeah. It's unusual. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, in, in, in terms of heat, it's perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they are fooling themselves and creating anomalies that they themselves mm-hmm. well they're responsible for creating the anomaly right. but there are there are a couple of technology right now quite a bit flare of the flare camera had gone from the first one we bought was about five thousand pounds they're now down to under 200 pounds mm-hmm. um but flare don't sell any product as a ghost hunting tool no in fact it's not even mentioned on their websites mm-hmm. um and their market but they will they will work with you. Yes. Um, but if they, you, if they, you give they, them the information yeah. to what you're trying to yeah. do with it, then they, they, they will tell they you how it They are incredibly helpful. Yes, they are. Um, and you can ask them all sorts of technical questions by email and they will respond. Mm-hmm. But they don't promote their product as a ghost right. hunting tool. However, you've got companies who specifically do build ghost hunting tools like Paranologies, Digital mm-hmm. Dowsing and others. Um, and they come up with some really bizarre pieces of equipment. Um, you have things with 360 degree LED coloured LEDs that, and ghost investigators use them. And uh, the bell rang. Oh, bell rang. I didn't hear the bell. I'm plugged in, right? Yeah. Have you got the headphones? Yeah. Go ahead. Put on. 
Anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when we're talking about Flair, and we, we are running out of time, but uh, the Flair has the new add-on for the iPhone, which... Any smartphone. Which is really intriguing because it, it seems to be better than... Uh, it's more understandable for a, a, an average user than the Flair imager in that it, it has two cameras not just one mm-hmm. it, uh, well the modern flare camera has the two cameras as well oh it does okay yeah, yeah. Um, but we played with one at northbridge last year i brought mine over from the uk mm-hmm. last year and again it gives you a lot of information but it gives you, you in a format that's a photograph um and it, you are you unless you've done the course or unless you've at least mm-hmm. read the information that Flare provide on their websites about how these things work and what what they actually you know what the information means. Right, but with the two camera setup, you're actually seeing a clearer picture of what you're yeah, seeing. It, it overlays a visual yeah. um, image, a, a visual light image over, so you're able to identify objects more more readily. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the information Flare will provide you with all the information. It's available on their websites. They provide some very comprehensive uh, data. Yeah. But I'm. probably never read them. I would wager the same thing. I bet you. I. I, I, I wouldn't even try to guess how many. I, I take think the course. Yeah, it says in my in, in Ghostology, it says several times RTFM, which is my mantra. So I anyway. On that note, we have to actually leave now because the tunes are playing. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International, or you have been listening uh, right here on TojiNet and Pararex. And we want to thank you so much for tuning in. And, and Steve, you have a safe trip back thank to the UK. And, uh, I'll talk to you next week from the other side of the island. Which will be interesting. Mm-hmm. So Interesting? Yes, interesting. Well, just interesting. No, interesting. Interesting. So anyways, interesting. Yeah, thank you so much for being here, and thanks for listening. And see you next time. Good night. God bless. Rostar. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. Have you heard?